0: Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, it is good to be here in the living room together, gathered together to, to worship, to hear from God, to be changed uh, by His truth. And I pray that you and I are open to that happening in our lives. It's, uh, it's easy to walk into a new year with the thought of this, of I'm going to change me. But in the end, that does not lead to lasting change. Instead, I, I pray that this would, is where we would be for 2013. Lord, You change me. That must be our prayer and hope because our God is the only one who can uh, save and forgive and redeem and make new. And I'm not sure what you believe about who God is, but as I read Scripture, I see a God who heals disease and sets people free from addiction and bondage and offers salvation to a sinful people and gives people a new spiritual heart and a God who welcomes the broken and the hurting and the rejected, who gives grace to the humble and rest to the weary. That is the God that we worship, and this is the God that we we follow. Today, we start a four-week series called Multiply. The definition of multiply is this, to increase the amount, number, or degree of. So over the next four weeks, we're tackling uh, four areas that that we need to see uh, an increase uh, to to see that God would increase the degree of in our lives, in the life of our church. January is this great month to uh, cast vision of where the Lord is leading us uh, as a church. Uh, it's also just kind of a natural time to examine our lives kind of take stock of, of where we are in our devotion to Christ our our dedication to one another and our drive to reach more people to tell others about the love of Jesus and his life birth or his birth life death and resurrection all through the book of acts you read of how uh, the early church was growing and spreading one of those verses is acts 9:31 it says this uh, the esv translation says so the church throughout all judea and galilee and samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, over the next few weeks, uh, we'll get more into the context of what those verses are, what's happening around that uh, context of that verse. But for now, I want us to see this picture of, uh, of, of the church, not just one local church, but the body of Christ, the big sea church, how it was growing and spreading. It was being encouraged and built up and strengthened, and it was walking in the fear of the Lord in reverence and worship to the God of the Bible. It was fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit and spurred on not out of their own strength but by the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, it multiplied. One translation says that the church grew in numbers. This gospel message was reaching more. More people were giving their lives to Christ, more people turning from their sin, walking in faithfulness to the Lord. They were experiencing the God, uh, forgiveness of God through Christ being welcomed into the family of God and then being sent out on mission to fulfill the purposes of God. As a church, we are multiplying. On December 16th, we announced that Easter of this year, March 31st, we will be launching our second service on a Sunday morning. Now, on the surface, that sounds like addition, right? One plus one equals two. But in order for us to make this move, it will be more about multiplication than it will be about addition, about multiplying the hands and feet in the body of Christ. In other words, the, the volunteers who are at the heart of this ministry it will be about increasing our degree of passion to to share our faith to pray for our neighbors and friends of to invite them to experience the love of Christ here uh, it will be about renewing our commitment to make disciples who make disciples to personally invest into the people who god brings across our paths who god brings into our lives increasing the degree of biblical community we share with one another i mean these are exciting days at crosspoint i believe this is going to be a, a great season of trust and faith for us just to see it increase and deepen in the Lord, that we'll be encouraged to see how people will step up and how they find their place in ministry and how God will provide. But before we get there, before we talk about serving and ministry and giving of the resources uh, for the spread of the gospel and reaching the lost and making disciples, all those things, we first have to look at our own hearts and our own lives. Uh, Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The first relationship mentioned in our vision statement is not with the world, but it's with the Son of God, Jesus. So in a sense, before we talk vision and charging the hill and moving forward and all of that, we have to get before a loving God and have a heart check moment. Uh, You know the disclaimers on commercials that talk talk about uh, consult your physician before... Uh, beginning this exercise program or something like that all right basically don't don't go run a marathon without training for it appropriately uh, last summer our daughter was getting ready for cross-country season uh, i was not I, i've not been involved in a cross-country season before and and so it was on that fateful day that i said i'll run with you today honey um, and uh and so so yeah this is what i said um and I said, oh, how about we run out to the church building from our house? It's about three and a half miles. Mom will meet us out of the building uh, later to pick us up, and we'll run that three and a half miles, and, okay? and, and we'll do that from, from the house. And keep in mind two things. One is uh, our daughter Maddie had run probably about 50 miles at that point, training for uh, cross-country. I had not. I had run zero miles, maybe up and down a basketball court a little bit, uh, but not to that extent. So we took off at about a mile into this run, uh, I was having, uh, let's call them second thoughts, all right? Um, I, I couldn't keep up with her pace. Uh, I knew I was in trouble, so I, so I kind of began this walking, uh, run, running combo type thing so I could maintain visual contact with her down Reagan and over the hills, And all right? Um, and after much encouraging, by Maddie, this is one of her spiritual gifts of just uh, uh, exhortation, of encouraging, uh, after much encouraging, uh, Father finished, finally, Um, I was sore for days, all right? My hips have never hurt in my life, and they hurt that next day. I'm like, what what the world? I'm still in my 30s. My hips, they were just killing me, all right? Moral of the story is ride your bike, ride your bike, (laughs) because I had ridden next to her and I should have stuck with that. No, the moral of the story is not that. It's it's that you need to train appropriately. You need to um, prepare accordingly before you just kind of take off on a run, spiritually speaking. We are on a run. We are following Jesus. We are growing in our faith. We are pressing forward. We are forgetting what is behind. Daily we are being transformed more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. The life of a Christian is continually marked by, by movement and change and progress and growth. And the life of a New Testament church is continually marked by progress and change and growth and, and movement and, 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 and the like. If we are to run in a way that is sustainable and life-giving then we need to have a heart check before we just kind of take off because if we don't we'll end up serving and giving and loving out of our own strength which doesn't last long and it leads to burnout as a result it leads to your hips hurting and you're like what in the world just happened right there I-, I know this from experience ministry is demanding all right there's a continual kind of drain at the bottom of the bucket and the only thing that refills that bucket, the only thing, is the life found in Christ. As John 15 talks about, it's, it's us abiding or remaining in the vine, that we are the branches. We are called to remain connected to that vine. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing, John 15:5 tells us. So we don't read our Bibles out of obligation, but out of opportunity to be connected to the vine, to, to fill up the buckets of our hearts spiritually. Uh, and if you're looking for a Bible reading plan, youversion.com. Uh, great plans, year-long plans, four-day plans, everything in between. Smart app for your smartphone, all that kind of thing. Great plans to get you into the Word on a consistent basis. So we, so we don't read the Bible out of obligation. We also don't pray to check it off a list or because this is just what we do before a meal or bedtime, but because we want to remain in the vine. This truth I'm learning again right now. Even, uh, even right now, the Lord's teaching me this. It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. It has everything to do just with me being a child of God, a believer in Christ. Uh, The church in Acts was fueled by the Holy Spirit, not by their own efforts. This gospel message that they were sharing with others was not just something they intellectually knew, not just something they were preaching to others, but they were preaching it to themselves. It was was impacting how they were living. And so today, uh, there are no big invitations to serve no big invitations to give, no, no invitations to go tell it on the mountain, okay? Today's invitation is all about a heart check moment of you and Jesus, me and my Savior, to kind of push pause and go, well, what about my walk with the Lord? Is it growing? Uh, is it stalled out? Do, do I know Jesus yet? And in order to do that, I think we need to tackle two words, repentance and Confession. We need to increase the degree of our repentance and confession. Now, now, these two words conjure up several often incorrect ideas. Sometimes we think repentance and confession only occur one time at the moment we give our lives to Christ. So when the Holy Spirit convicts our, our lives, we, we open up our hearts to Jesus, we confess we are sinners, we, we repent of our sins, and then we're done. Like somehow it's leaked into our mindset that the longer we're Christians, the less we're going to need to repent and confess. But it's simply not the case. Uh, When Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the cathedral door, his first sentence said said this, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed that the whole life of believers should be repentance. Now, there are two ways to look at that. Uh, Either Luther is saying that we're never going to make much progress and we're always going to go, oh, I'm sorry, I did it again and I'm sorry, forgive me, I I did it again. Oh, you know, I was asking forgiveness and it made me think about it, and so I did it again, and I'm sorry, and we're just never going to make much progress. That's one way to look at that. Or, Luther is saying that that repentance is the means by which we continue to grow and to become more like Jesus. That in practical, daily, Christ-following life, one mark of a growing believer is continuing to have a theme or practice of repentance and confession. And so I want to tackle these two words. Uh, I, w- I want to t- try to you know, take back these two words and what they, uh, what they mean scripturally. Because I think a bulk of us, honestly, we really think that we have, we have no need to repent and we have no need to confess. We think that's, you know, that's really for the messed up people, not us. So this is what I want to go after. If you have a Bible, go 1 John uh, we're going to be in chapter 1. It's toward the back of your Bible. If you don't own a Bible, uh, grab one off Guest Connections. Call it your own. We would love to give one away to you today. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. We'll start there. We're going to read the verses twice. Talk about some, you know, First time, we'll read them, talk about some stuff. And we'll read them again and talk about uh, some other truths that pop out of here. Okay? 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All right, walking in the light. What does that phrase mean? Well, for many of you, you've you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've given your life to Christ. You've been following Him in obedience, all right? Now, how does that whole obedience thing go? Well, sometimes it's fairly easy to be obedient to the Lord. You want me to love people? Well, sure, I can love people that love me back and are easy to love. And I mean, this is t-ball obedience right here. I can do that. But if we're honest, it's not always that easy because we're following Jesus and not ourselves he's he's not always going to lead us to places of comfort or places that we are familiar with i mean there are times we read something in the bible or the holy spirit prompts us we get that kind of divine nudge and there's something immediately in us that goes oh gosh i don't want to do that i don't want to forgive them I don't want to step out and do that. I don't want to have that conversation or serve there or give up control or love her in that way. So so what these verses are saying is that by walking in the light, we become more aware of God and what He wants to do in our lives. We become more in tune to the Holy Spirit's voice in our life. And in those moments of, ah, I don't want to do that, Lord, there's the Holy Spirit calling us to repent to turn from ourselves, to be reminded that the core of our faith, we are following Jesus and we are called to become more and more like Him. So when God exposes something in us, some delayed obedience, some catch of pride, some stubbornness on our part, some kind of just like little kid like, I don't want to kind of thing, whatever it is, in those moments, in those moments, I, I bring that into light. I share that with a brother in Christ. I share that with the elder team. I share it with my wife. I ask the Lord for forgiveness, to search my heart, saying, Lord, speak to me truth. Change me. Renew me. Renew my mind. Renew my heart. So when darkness gets exposed, we confess and we repent. And we'll do this continually until we see Jesus face to face. It says also in verse 7 that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In other words, walking in the light enables us to have stronger, deeper relationships with one another. Think of it this way. If you're hiding, if you have secret sin, then you're really going to struggle to receive love. Because anyone who tries to love you, you will write them off saying, well, you really don't know me. If you knew me, you wouldn't love me that way. In my marriage, I've had um, some things that I would have just rather left in the dark. But the Spirit of God exposed them, whether I wanted them to be exposed or not, because He loves me. And in those moments in, in our marriage that I'm just kind of like before my wife saying, "Oh here, yeah, here's the ugly honey." Uh, it's led to greater intimacy and greater understanding of the gospel and greater love. Yes, pain, but I would take momentary pain in a heartbeat knowing that it leads to greater intimacy and a stronger relationship as a result. True biblical community, not just in your marriage, but in the local church with fellow brothers and sisters, this community should be life-giving and grace-filled because as we confess and repent, we have nothing to hide and Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness and we discover relationships where we walk with and we love and we spur on and we encourage and we pray for one another. But all of that can't happen if we are fake, if we hide or we simply lie to the ones closest to us. Like, how's everything going? How was was your last year? Just kind of take stock. Oh, it was was fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, my, my marriage is crumbling yeah, the secret sin is just destroying my life right now. I got this angry spirit that I just can't seem to shake. I mean, we, we say, fine, but what's really going on in our hearts? We are called to live authentically and honestly, not just before our God, but before one another. And that's a good word for community groups that may be starting back up in a few weeks. See, the temptation is to do the exact opposite of confess and repent. So, so rather we hide, we keep it to ourselves, we continue to follow self rather than Jesus, and, and then we find that our hearts and our lives have drifted from the Lord. And some of you are here, and the Holy Spirit is like, yeah, that's, that's you. You've got this hidden sin, this pocket of pride in your heart, this kind of arms crossed, not going to do that, Lord. And He's calling you to, to repent and confess, to turn from it to move it into the light, to humble our hearts. Because when we do that, we, re- we receive grace. First Peter 5, 5 and 6. Now listen, we don't, we don't repent to earn more of God's love. We don't turn away from our sins so that we might earn a merit badge or a gold star on the chore chart or a blue ribbon or anything like that. We repent of our disobedience and the disbelief because we are loved. It's a response to the love that is why we do it. It's because I want Jesus to know that he, is, he, has my, he, he has my heart, He has my life, that He is my great treasure. So let's read through these verses again. Now this time, uh, there might be some truth that stings us, but I pray that it, it will be life-giving as a result. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 again, this is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Let's just let that verse sit on us a minute. If we say with our mouths, we have fellowship with Him, but in the end, we have no relationship with Him or real intention to to follow Jesus, real intention to obey Him. If we are comfortable with just kind of ongoing sin in our lives, then Scripture calls us a liar. Verse 7, if we... But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we believe that we have no need to confess, that we have no sin that needs to be brought before the Lord, that if, if we're not a sinner but... But those people are sinners. Or if if we're a sinner, but it's just kind of this vague, we can't really point to anything specific in our life that that kind of runs contrary to God's Word or contrary to His heart. If we say there's no sin in us, then, then we are deceiving ourselves. Our hearts are tricking us. Now, listen. In all this, I'm not talking about perfection. In going through these verses it's clearly pointed out that we're going to stumble and fall for the rest of our lives. If, if you've been around Crosspoint any length of time, you know we're not preaching that you're going to attain perfection this side of heaven. And yet, your growth in Christ should lead to a life that looks more and more like Christ. So progress, but not perfection. Because perfection doesn't happen this side of heaven. And when we pretend that it does... We just kind of reflect the self-righteous, arrogant attitude that is not reflective of the gospel that we supposedly preach. What I'm talking about is our intent or our goal. Uh, Comparing our life to, to taking a walk, where are you walking toward? Is your goal to become more like Jesus or is it something else? Is it to be led by Him or to be led by what you and I want? In these verses, John basically lumps us into two different groups. One group walks in the light confess sin, those wayward areas of our hearts and lives and are being cleansed from all unrighteousness through Jesus and the cross. And the other group claims to be without sin. And they aren't growing to obey his commands. Maybe you're pretending you know him when in reality you don't really know him personally yet. You, you might know about God, but you can't say you have this uh, active growing relationship with him. You might have attended church your whole life and yet you've never put your trust in Christ. You've never confessed Him as Lord or turned from your sin. And I pray that when we take communion, that that could be your opportunity to give your life to Christ biblically and not just follow a man-made religion, but to follow a Savior, a risen Savior. If we're following Jesus in every area of our lives, inevitably, inevitably, we're going to hit habits and patterns and motives, thoughts, that we need to confess and repent of. I have, and I could go through a list for you today if we had time. Even just this last week, wrestling down the whole, uh, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? Just just wrestling that down on my own heart. Just trying to get that before the Lord. Walking in the light means continually asking the Lord to search and examine our hearts and minds, and that can be an ugly search He can drudge up some stuff that as he examines, he can drudge up some ugly stuff, but but this is where the good news enters in. That we don't have to be fearful of that heart search because the more honest we are, the more honest we see our hearts, especially the ugly, the more glorious and beautiful and merciful and forgiving and loving we see God's heart. The more we see his unending unending grace the more prone we are to not walk in secret but instead practice verse 9 and confess our sins because he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness so we must ask ourselves as we approach communion are there things that you simply just don't want to do but you know you know the lord's asked you to do are there things that He's called you to turn from to move into the light and, and you're saying, I'd rather not? Maybe sometime later, Lord, I, I would like to hold on to that one for a while. What, what does that delayed obedience reveal about our hearts? Maybe it's loving your husband or wife a certain way. Maybe it's living a particular way when it comes to your money or time. Maybe it's dealing with a bitter root or kind of the apathy that might have crept into your heart or some unresolved conflict with someone or, or an angry, impatient, irritable, irritable spirit that you'd never really let the, let the Lord get a hold of. I don't know what it is for you, but, but I trust the Spirit does and it's just revealing that to our hearts right now and kind of bringing that to the surface. But I want you to know what verse... Nine is, it's truth that when we confess, when we move it into light, that we'll be met with forgiveness and grace from a God who loves us enough to sacrifice his son on the cross. So if there are two paths here that that John is talking about, if there are two paths, one of confession and repentance and the other of you pretending that there's nothing to confess and repent of, or one of walking in the light and one of walking in darkness, where are you? Where are you on this? What path are you on right now? Repentance and confession need to be this this continuing pattern in the life of a follower of Jesus, kind of an ongoing posture, so to speak, of a believer. Remember, this is about getting regular heart checkups. John then writes in chapter 2, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if if anybody does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we, obey his, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if, any, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we know him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now, those verses kind of lined up what godly repentance looks like and how it works. When we sin against God, our hearts are exposed to the light of truth. But the good news is that we have an advocate, a a supporter, a backer in that moment. And who is that advocate? It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He takes our sin, covers it by his blood, throws it away so that we can grow and walk in obedience. And this is why we celebrate communion. This is what we remember in communion. I don't have to hide from my God because I've been shown grace through Jesus. Adam and Eve hid from God following their sin. Even in my darkest moments, even in your darkest moments, even when the most ugly, habitual, generational, wayward attitude or thought has been exposed I can run toward God knowing that He is faithful and just and loving and forgiving. I can run to Him because I understand this is not about earning more of His grace or love, but rather about receiving it. I run to Him because 1 John 1, 1.9 is truth. And I don't clean up my act on my own, but I bring it to Jesus who is the only one capable of turning a dark heart whiter than snow, who bringing beauty from pain, bringing life out of death. This morning, we are ending our service with a a fitting response of communion. Uh, Communion is not for everyone. Uh, The Bible says only believers that have accepted God's gift of salvation through Jesus should take communion. If you're not a believer in Jesus yet, if you've never put your faith in him, then I invite you to do that right now. My invitation to you is to confess and repent, to just Pray quietly at your seat, Jesus. Thank you for your love. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. You paid the price for my sin. Forgive me for my sin. I confess that you are Lord, you are Savior over my life. Teach me to obey you. Teach me to follow you as the king of my life. It's about confessing your need for a Savior and, and repenting and turning, turning your life in order to walk toward Him rather than ourselves. And if you give your life to Jesus today, then I, then I encourage you, I would ask you to take communion with us, to remember the Savior whose body was broken for you, whose blood was poured out for you, and worship Him in that way and thank Him in that way and remember Him, remember the sacrifice. Others of you, you do know Jesus. And my invitation to you is the same, to confess and repent. What, what, what's the Lord convicting you of right now? What, what do you need to kind of confess and move into the light? What do you need to turn from? What do you need to kind of get before the Lord today? Is it something from uh, the last year that you just, like, I, don't, I don't want to be entangled. I don't want to be in change of that this year. Is it some sort of dark part of your heart that you've never really allowed the Lord to, to deal with? What is it? And I, and I pray that you, would, uh, you and I would be open to the Spirit's work in our lives. That if you're a believer in Christ today, that in communion, talk to your heavenly dad in prayer. As a child of him, talk to a dad who loves you enough to not, to, to not just leave you where you are, but to change and transform and renew and make beauty from ashes and gladness instead of mourning. And, and a God who loves you infinitely, who knit you together before your mother even knew you? And is calling you to live in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him and points others to Him. I just I just pray that in communion we would allow the, the Spirit of God to do some heart surgery on us today, wherever we at, wherever we are at uh, with the Savior. If 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 you don't know Jesus yet, then then don't take communion, but but talk to a God who loves you and created you in His image. Just do that at your seat and allow him to, to work in your heart and in your life. Uh, there are two tables in the back. Uh, we've done this last couple times where we kind of walk toward the outside aisle and then come back through the center aisle. Grab a cup of the juice, a piece of the bread, come back, have some opportunities to to pray, just get quiet before the Lord and, and just push pause, so to speak, and allow God to do a heart check on us. Let, let me pray and we'll stand up and take communion. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for... Uh, the, the practice of communion, that it's an opportunity for us to remember your son, to remember his body being broken, his blood being poured out for all humanity, for the forgiveness of our sin. And I thank you for the truth of the gospel, and I pray that it would change and transform, and I thank you that it's in—it's uh, it, powerful, and your word of God, the, the, the word just never returns void. It's living and active, and I pray that it would Dive deep into our hearts and do some surgery and change us and transform us today. We love you. In your name. Amen. Let's stand up and take communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the juice. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. and Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord, I pray that that you would spur us on this year to a deeper devotion to you, to a greater love, that you would increase um, the humility in our hearts, increase our, our desire to turn from, to repent and, and to confess and move, uh, move our sin, our lives continually into the light. Lord, we want to we reflect You to the people around, around us. We want to honor and glorify You in everything. I pray that we would hold firmly to the faith we profess and we would approach the throne of grace with confidence that we would throw off everything that hinders, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, and that you would be glorified in and through our lives. We love you, Jesus. We declare you are king over this church, king over our lives, and king over this year. And I pray that you would be lifted up, you'd be elevated in and through our lives in this church. In your name we pray, amen. There will be volunteers available up here. Uh, If you need uh, prayer, prayer response team, volunteers up here, uh, feel free to uh, come up. And uh, if you have something, whether it has to do with the message or just in life in general, you need prayer, uh, there'll be people up here who love to pray with you. Have a good week. God bless. See you next Sunday.